And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. And also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out and hit that line. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. It was a big weekend for a lot of different reasons, and we're going to talk about all of it dealing on the Arkansas Razorback front, as well as, of course, since it's the Monday edition of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, I have to give my thoughts to Game of Thrones in that episode last night. Mari getting goosebumps just even thinking about it. But we got to start with the Razorback baseball team and their performance against the Tennessee Volunteers at Bomb Stadium over the weekend where they sweep That's right. Sweep the Tennessee Volunteers to move on into conference play with a great record, 13-5 and overall in SEC play. That is good enough for first place, two games ahead of the rest of the pack in this division. And Arkansas right now is playing their best baseball so far of this season. We'll see if they can keep it up. But game one was decided in a way that I would not have imagined because Tennessee – had one of the best ERAs in the country. Better than pretty much anybody else as far as their pitching staff goes. Not only their ENA, but just had some really good pitchers. Some guys that uh, could come off of the bench and come off of the rotation and really perform well. Well, 11-9, to Arkansas got the victory in Game 1 on Friday. Which was really impressive by them because they had to come back into that game. So... The fact that they were able to make the plays when they counted, especially down the stretch. Tennessee tried to make a flurry back, but could not do it. So Arkansas gets that victory. And then game two was all Arkansas, folks. If you were there Saturday, which I was there Saturday, beautiful weather, beautiful baseball, beautiful long balls hit by Arkansas. They get the victory 15-3, to absolutely smash the Volunteers just across the board. And then game three, Arkansas was up 2-1 to late. Then Tennessee gets three runs, or two runs, excuse me, to go up three to two. And then into the ninth inning, Christian Franklin belts a home run, a solo shot to tie up the game at three. They go into extra innings, excuse me, top of the game at four, go into extra innings, and then Arkansas gets the victory on a walk-off by Casey Opitz, and they sweep the Tennessee Volunteers. Folks, this baseball team is a lot of fun to watch, and they're a lot of fun to not only just see how far that they've come and how much they have left, Uh, the type of things that they can still accomplish at this season. But I'm telling you right now, this is starting to get you the feeling that this is just not some fluke. This is not just some team that has aspirations to make it into postseason play and that's it. Maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse, but folks, I'm getting the feeling that this Razorback baseball team has what it takes to get back to where they were last year, to get back to the College World Series final. And I never thought, I never thought, That would be the case. But you have a team right now that is putting it all together. They're a force to be reckoned with. And what the best part about them is, I'm know i not saying they're going to go undefeated the rest of the way. I'm not saying that they're not going to have stumbles in games and all that because it's baseball. It happens. But what this team is able to accomplish right now, how many players they lost last season, the type of team that they are and the type of baseball that they play, The fact of the matter is that they are wrecking shop right now in conference play with three SEC series left, and they are vying for national seed. And as of right now, according to most outlets, they are a top five team in the country. How did they do it? 
How did they lose the amount of players that they lost last year? How did they lose guys like a Blaine Knight, like Carson Shaddy, like Jared Gates? How did they lose guys like that? And yet still find themselves right in the mix for a national championship. Not to mention the fact that they lost their pitching coach, which Wes Johnson was considered to be one of the best pitching coaches in all the land. They replaced him with Matt Hobbs, and yet they're still getting it going. Isaiah Campbell's throwing darts. Patrick Wicklander, man, he's got some nice stuff, and I hope that uh, he stays healthy, man, because he's about as fun as there is to watch, and you could have a couple more years with him. And then Connor Nolan, the freshman, starting to settle in after having a few games, especially against Vanderbilt. But now he's starting to really feel himself and really feel like he's getting comfortable and settling in and making it all happen. All these things going on right now, you just can't help if you're a Razorback fan but have a sense of excitement, a little sense of excitement for what this could end up being. How did they do that? How are they doing it right now? And the answer, folks, is pretty simple, and it's Dave Van Horn. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. He's an elite coach. He's one of the best there is. But, folks, this is see- we're seeing something right now. We're seeing something with this baseball team that even when Dave Van Horn had other great teams in previous years, teams that made the College World Series, they had a lot of great players on it. They couldn't do this. They couldn't be at this high a level. They couldn't replace all what they lost last year and still pick up right where they left off. This is next level stuff. They are figuring it out. And I don't really know what the exact answer is to why this is the case or how it became this, other than the fact that you just say Dave Van Horn to every answer. Every question that you have about Razorback baseball, just say Dave Van Horn, and you'll probably get it right. But I can understand why Razorback fans are a little... I wouldn't say that they're cautious as much, but they're just trying to be cautiously optimistic because of what they're seeing and what they're watching and how this team is playing. They're making the plays when they count. They're making clutch plays, and they're getting it from other people, not just your main guys that you know of, not just having one or two baseball players that you have to count on to make plays. They are getting plays made by all different types of players from all different positions. And when you have that kind of a combination with a little luck on your side and a little bit of a mental toughness to you, these are going to be the results that you have. These are going to be the things that's going to separate you from the rest of the pack. And, folks, I'm telling you right now, if Arkansas can win two of their last three SEC series, which is not too much to ask. Kentucky's a pretty terrible team. You play them this weekend. Uh, You also have LSU at Bomb Stadium. That's the last home series. That's next weekend. And then at Texas A&M and College Station. A&M and LSU would be tough bouts. Kentucky's a little easier, should be easier of a bout. If you win two of those next three series, there's no reason why you cannot be in the conversation for winning it all again. You'll be a national seed. You'll be arguably the best team, if not the second best team at worst, in the SEC, which is good enough to be the second-best team in the country in some cases. But you're all about opportunity and putting yourself in position to compete for that national championship. Have the pieces fall together. And could you imagine the redemption story that it would be for Arkansas baseball if they were able to make it back, 
not only to the College World Series, but the College World Series final. The redemption story that it could be, not only if Arkansas did, made it back, but if they won it all. Imagine how that would feel. Imagine how that would story would play out. And imagine how glorious it would be to celebrate a national championship. I'm not putting the cart before the horse, folks. I'm not even going to predict that this team is going to win at all. Still a crapshoot once you get into postseason play. But I'm just telling you the makeup of this team, who they have, what they're doing, and talking with other guys and other baseball experts that know the game and know college baseball as good, if not better, than everybody else, I'm telling you right now, this team has what it takes. All they have to do is keep playing baseball. Keep doing what you're doing. And eventually, it'll all fall into place. Get that national seed. That's for step number one from here. Getting that national seed. And after that, get to the College World Series. Take baby steps. But I'm telling you, as long as you have Dave Van Horn at the helm, these shouldn't be concerns for any of you as far as what they're going to do in postseason play. That is for sure. We're going to have to take a commercial break here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, but I'm going to tell you folks, hiring used to be pretty hard. I remember when I got my job uh, when I was a kid at Best Buy, if you can believe it or not, it was uh, it was quite a different process than what you see the hiring process is now, especially with multiple job sites and how there's stacks of resumes and confusing review process and all that. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go one place to get it done. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's right, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. They send your job resume to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With the powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And it is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. I'm not kidding about this. It, we started using it at the place where I work, and it's phenomenal. And right now, all of you, all of my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, all right? ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on to be able to get free access, all right? Free. Can't beat that deal. So be sure to get over to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Check it out, all right? ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Over the weekend, too, you had the NFL draft, which, you know, it's it's funny because the NFL draft used to have a lot more clout, but it seemed like this year it was certainly an exciting time to watch the NFL draft. In fact, if you look at the television ratings, they were the highest they have ever been in NFL draft history. The amount of people that showed up there in Nashville was one of the highest numbers, if not the highest numbers they've ever had attend an NFL draft. So it was obviously a very big deal for multiple reasons, but to look at it from the perspective of the Arkansas Razorbacks, I'd say it was pretty good. Three players drafted. 
Now, is that going to change your mind on how everything's going to play out? Of course not. I mean, getting three players drafted into the NFL off a 2-10 and ten team is not exactly the most uh, mind-blowing thing of all time, but it certainly shows you that you know that there still could be some pieces on this defense and some pieces maybe in certain positions that of guys that just need to take that next step forward that could really flourish in getting to the NFL. And, of course, the players that were drafted, Yelda Froholt went in the fourth round to the New England Patriots. Dre Greenlaw went into the fifth round by the San Francisco 49ers. And Armand Watts went in the sixth round to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, when I saw all this, I was a little stunned, honestly. And I'm not trying to talk down on anybody or belittle anybody, but I was shocked to see that Arkansas, the Arkansas football team who went 2-10 and 10 last year, had three players drafted. I would have said just one. I didn't think Dre Greenwell would get drafted. I didn't think Armand Watts would get drafted. The only one I felt somewhat confident about was Yelda Froholt, and I was proven wrong. And, you know, that's it's, it's great for them, and it's great for the university, especially given the uh, lack of positive feelings that they've had towards the program. To see it play out like that for them has been uh, really awesome as well, and I know that the university is going to play it up and make sure that they get plenty of branding and publicity from it all. But I just, I don't know. It's tough for me to truly put my thumb on, okay, was, what, what, was, what was the reasoning behind these guys getting drafted, and can it all change in this upcoming season where you have even more players drafted? I mean, can somebody like Sosa Game get drafted highly? You know, what is the process here, and what's the goal for them? And how, how can they, if they do get a lot of players drafted, does that mean that the team should have performed better? Like they they really underachieved. And I mean, saying they went two and ten last year is not really saying much by they underachieved. But you know, I just don't see that as a, as a positive if you keep having players get drafted, but your team's not any good. Like if Arkansas went four and eight or five and seven this upcoming season, which is still improvement, be it that they had like five players drafted in the NFL, and I'm not saying they will, but just say they did. Would you not kind of scratch your head and be like, uh, this team should have been better than that, considering the players, obviously the NFL, it's called truth serum in the NFL draft because that's how you truly find out who has the best players. It would certainly be a head scratcher for sure, at least it would be for me. So either way, congratulations to those three players. Uh, we'll see how they end up panning out in the NFL. Of course, Yelda Froholt being up there with the Patriots, as is tradition for the Patriots to take an Arkansas football player. I'm sure the relationship with Brett Bielma has a little bit to do with it as well. But congratulations to them, and I guess we'll see how it plays out for them. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving into the final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best here, folks. Game of Thrones. Uh, this, again, if you're just listening to this podcast and you haven't heard about how I do this podcast on Mondays, it, it's spoiler alert. Okay, so if you have not watched Game of Thrones in the latest episode or uh, you are planning on watching the series of Game of Thrones but you haven't started yet, whatever it is, if you don't want to be spoiled, then go ahead and just turn off this podcast right now. Hate to hear it, hate to see it, but that's that's what you got to do. You got to turn off this podcast because I'm about to go into spoiler mode. And, and by the way, too, it's amazing how many of you actually want to hear about my thoughts and opinions on Game of Thrones. It's awesome. I, I love I love talking about 
uh, television shows and movies. In fact, I've always said that if I was a wasn't in sports talk radio, I would have loved, loved to have been uh, in some sort of film critic or uh, television shows, just something to deal with media in general. So I have a lot of a lot of passion about it. But Game of Thrones season eight, episode three. My oh my, what what to make out of all of this? It has gotten real. I mean, that episode last night. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as to say it was the best episode in the Game of Thrones series. I, I think that's a little premature and a little ridiculous as well i feel like there are plenty of great episodes to choose from i feel like there are there are episodes that you know if you obviously have a personal preference towards for whatever particular reason i can understand that as well but when it comes to the intensity and just on the edge of your seat that episode last night may have taken the cake as far as just emotional the entire time sitting, not knowing what was going to happen. Maybe the hype was a big part of it, and I'm sure that it is a big part of it. But the fact of the matter is that next to the Battle of the Bastards, that episode will resonate with me for a very long time, and I'm, I'm assuming that'll do the same for all of you. Uh, I understand that there are some critics out there that were not ha too happy with the episode, didn't like the way it panned out, thought it was a little too jumpy, didn't like the fact uh, that Arya was the one that ended up killing the Night King. Uh, especially in the way that she killed the Night King, um, I can I can understand these things, and that's the thing is like, you know, it doesn't make it a bad episode, or it doesn't make it a, a bad ending to the episode, or anything like that. It's just people have their own personal preference. I mean, personally, I would have liked to have seen Jon Snow and the Night King battle it out just a little bit. I, I didn't say it has to kill him, but just have a a good old fashioned sword fight. I think that would have been awesome, and, and at least would have, because uh, it's always been about Jon Snow and the Night King. It's always been about them. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen, uh, first off, the the be a little lighter, <laughs> a little brighter there on the uh, cinematography. That was pretty brutal, and having to watch that. So uh, people complained about that, but hey, it takes place at night, so I guess it added a little bit to the mix as far as the intensity from it all. Um, but I would have liked to have seen that. I would have liked to have seen. Uh, just, I don't know. It sounds weird for me to say I, I wanted to see more of the main characters die. But I did want to see a little more of this next, like kind of going into this next episode, being like, man, these people are dead. And I know that Jorah Mormont's dead, and that's big. I know that uh, Theon Greyjoy is dead, and some people didn't care about that. His, his was kind of anticlimactic when I first saw it because he just charged at the Night King and the Night King just tore him down like it was nothing. But after watching the thing after the episode, inside the episode or whatever, when they talked about how uh, you know they all knew that they were going to die, so he figured he'd go dying fighting. Okay, that makes a little more sense because he wasn't going to try to kill the Night King. He had, he had nothing left. It was just him and Bran. I mean, that's literally... By, by Theon seeing the Night King and all of his people roll in there, I'm, I'm sure Theon's thought was, it's just me and Bran because they had killed everyone else. So I might as well try it out. And he did, and he failed, and he died, and, and it was sad. So it made it a little better, though, after the fact. But as far as just the emotions and intensity and the, the way that the, the battle scenes played out and some of the epic moments from it with the music and everything, it's just... It was really hard to beat that. It was really incredible. I uh, I was really impressed by it. Again, I'm not going to say it's the best episode of all time in the Game of Thrones series, but it was certainly up there as far as excitement and enter entertainment. Just masterfully done. Now there's only three episodes left. 
And that's what's crazy is the is the Night King's dead, or at least we think. And I mean, because I never want to rule anything out. But the Night King's dead. All that's left is Cersei and the Iron Fleet and the Golden Company. I mean, all of them are down there in King's Landing waiting. So how many people are going to be left from the north, from the Targaryen army or whatever you want to call them? How many people are going to be left? That's what's really going to be the question. And, and how good of health are the dragons in? And what's going to play out as far as the storylines? We're going to get more things explained here in this next episode. Time will tell. But I thought it was fantastic, folks. Uh, I'm not trying to overplay it. And, you know, people were just so upset by it, which I don't get. I don't know why you'd be so upset by it. I thought it was great. So just roll with it and enjoy it. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens this next episode. But it's crazy. Three episodes left of the whole series. Three. Seems like we just started this season. And now it's already halfway done. Really sad. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 